0: Love and Light, part two. First John chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, is our anchor scripture in the month of May. First John chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Verse 10 He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him but he waits his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Hmm. Father, thank you for the anointing of your spirit. Thank you because you will speak to us. We are forever changed in Jesus name. We have prayed. Amen and amen. Glory to God. All right. So last week Wednesday day we started an exposé on the book 1 John. We looked at who wrote the book. We looked at why the book was written. And we looked at to whom, the context, the essence of the book. We looked at some essential thoughts. We said that the book is divided into six parts, even though it's five chapters. And we tackled the first two parts. Number one, fellowshipping with God by walking in the light. Number two, obey, remain and love. I believe last week blessed you. It definitely blessed me. If you are just joining us, you're welcome. This is the home of champions. This is KICC in the GTA, Ontario, Canada, where we are raising champions and taking territories just to welcome those who just tuned in. You've come to the right place. So we, we laid some bricks last week. We talked about what it means to abide. We talked about what it means to walk in the light We talked about the implication of walking in the light because the light exposes, the light reveals. But we said the true light that comes from God, it reveals to restore. It doesn't reveal to condemn. It does not reveal to bring guilt. So we settled that. We talked about the concept of propitiation, meaning that all of the wrath, all of the anger, everything embodied in that perfect sacrifice that has been made for us. It says, if, if. We have if if you do sin there is an advocate with the Father Jesus the righteous one what a, what, a, what a time we had last week and then we' ended on the note of loving people loving people and how this is scripturally possible all right and I know a couple of questions from that so by God's grace that's one of the questions we will tackle in the last Wednesday during the FAQ just a little bit more insight as to dealing scripturally with kinds of people all right we'll get to that by god's grace this evening our assignment is the next two parts the next two parts in our conversation on first john the book of first john glory to god i said glory to god so the number three section if you are just joining us and you're wondering what is number one and number two all our teachings are available and free it's there on YouTube, it's there on iTunes, it's there on Facebook, it's there on Audio Mac, there on Google, I think it's called Play Podcast, it's there on iTunes, it's everywhere, it's free. It will bless you, I, I, I know it will bless you, it has blessed many and it will bless you. So avail yourself but you will be blessed this evening, follow us, let the spirit of God teach us together and all of us will be transformed in the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God. All right, as we go into this evening's conversation, I want us to begin from Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. There is a thought here that Paul is communicating to the church in Ephesus that will help us understand the next phase of our conversation in 1 John. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 and 14 says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith. We have a series online where we, we, we studied this properly. I think that series is called Growth is a Must. You, you, you can find it on YouTube to bless you. I think three parts or four parts. All right. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Remember what we learned last week, Paul charging Timothy. He says there is such a thing as being faultless. There's such a thing as being without wrinkle. It says, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, I want us to pay attention. This is a familiar scripture. The, in fact, the, the regions we are in First John this evening are quite familiar. But we are trusting God for light. Hmm. Verse 14, that we henceforth. So it says, going forward, we be no more children... How do you know t- children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, with every new WhatsApp broadcast, with every new idea? It sounds real, it sounds convincing. Look at who is saying it. He's saying only children are caught in that web. That we henceforth be no more children. Toes, to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. This is the word of magic. This is the this is a vocabulary of magicians. He says it is it is creative deception. They might call it miracles, but behind it is 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 skillful crafting, staging towards deception. He says, but it's only children that will be that will be caught. And cunning craftiness. Packaging, nice branding, wolves wearing silk coats, wolves wearing sheep's clothing. It says whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So Paul here introduces us to a concept of deception. And he's saying that if you fall, listen, receive the word of God with gladness because the word of God is able to build us. He says if you find out that you've been a victim of deception, just... Thank God for revealing it to you. But the main feedback there is that you are a child. The main feedback there is children that are tossed to and fro. There is such a thing to be established, to be solid, to be like Mount Zion that cannot be moved. There is such a thing. And that is a beckoning to maturity. Remember, the reason why this book was written is that your joy might be full. I need us to constantly remind ourselves the the essence, the, the principal desire of the Holy Spirit, the author, John, the writer, the Holy Spirit, the author, John, the writer, the desire of the author, the Holy Spirit. Is that our joy, your joy, my joy, together collectively in our Christian experience, we do not live a subpar Christian life? Somebody say, Glory to God. Mm. So, number three, number three, having settled that, number one, just to refresh, fellowshipping with God by walking in the light. Number one, and we broke that down. Number two, obey, remain, and love. We settled that. Number three, number three, hmm. number three, number three thoughts, number three thoughts, Spiritual maturity and the enemies of fellowship. Spiritual maturity and the enemies of fellowship. Remember what we learned about fellowship from last week. We said it is a word that means participation, a word that suggests intimacy. A word that suggests closeness. That God does not want to be in a long distance relationship with us. He wants us to come close. He wants us to come close. He wants this thing to be real. His desire is not to reach you through your pastor. We thank God for the gifts. In fact, the concept in Ephesians 4 is about these ministry gifts that the Lord has blessed this church with. However, it is to the end that they are equipped to the end that they are edified, to the end that they are built up, to the end that henceforth there will be no more children. Mm. So the, 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 the dimension John takes it here, it doesn't only beckon us to maturity, it gives us the caders of maturity and it tells us the enemies of intimacy. It tells us the enemies of intimacy, the things that are potent enough across generations. Remember, our adversary is an ancient serpent that we advise by Scripture. Don't have conversations with. You can't win. Don't act, don't get into logical. Oh, but you, you can't think it's true with an ancient serpent. Is deceived the wisest of the wisest. Is is deceived the strongest of the strong. Is is de- deceived and pulled down men of valor anointed strong giants pull them down successfully. Our only basis for conversation with this adversary is it is written, the weapon of the word. Hmm. So John tells us, come up to a place of spiritual maturity and I light to us. The enemies of fellowship. Hmm. Let's dive in. So last week we, we walked through First John chapter 1. We entered into chapter 2 and stopped at verse 11. So let's go to 1 John chapter 2, which is where we are. Um, we are not doing it verse by verse, so don't be scared. <laughs> we didn't do verse by verse last week anyways. Let's, let's go from verse 12 all the way to verse 14. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 to... Verse 14, please pay attention, child of God. Please settle down, I see I see you there, you just got up, so just settle down, yeah. Praise God. All right, I write unto you, little children, we said little, we defined little children last week. However, there's another little children that if you were, and this is not about privileged, this, they are tools that allow you to check, you know, root languages, they're free on, on App Store. Back in the days, you buy big, FT concordances that make you look like you're in med school. All right, you buy interlinears, you buy Hebrew dictionary, Greek lexicon, you know, Dics, and all of those things. But today, you install one app, or two, if you are very hungry, three or four. Some of them are paid apps, very cheap. You pay, and you study God's word. Remember, this, this is our treasure. Words are seeds. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right. First John chapter 2, verse 12 all the way to 14. I write unto you, little children. Why? It says, because your sins are forgiving you for his name's sake. Please, let's follow the thought here. This, these are not random words. This is not poetry. This is not literary expression. This is, this is deliberateness by the Spirit of God. Hmm. Verse 13, I write unto you. So he says that one of the biggest challenges that you find in your early days as a believer is settling this sin consciousness issue. Settling this sin consciousness issue. You'll be shocked. Many have been born again for years, in quote, Many have been in church but have not been in Christ for years. And they've not, they, 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 they can't sincerely stand. And say I am the righteousness of God in, in Christ Jesus. Thank you for your blood. They can't. They are, they are gold standard. Oh, we are nothing but field rags. That's it. A terrible, terrible sin consciousness that is ingrained. It is it is genetic. There is no there's no sermon you can preach that can get it out. John says, little children. He says, if if you want to settle this thing, you have to accept. You have to accept that your sins are forgiven you that this fieldy rags theology you have, pack it. Pack it. It's taking it away. It's, it's true. It's true. It's scripture. It's fieldy rags. But he's not working with you. He's not trying to wash it. He's not trying to mend it. He's not trying to sew it or repair it. He's, he's done away with it completely. He's brought you his own. He says, put on Christ. Hmm. So, I just want us to begin to pay attention to the thoughts. Number one about children is you need to settle your sins are forgiven. Break out from this sin consciousness. Begin to walk in a righteousness consciousness. Hey, but PD, I still lied yesterday. Yes, it's the residue of your flesh trying to play games on you. Eventually, the victory that you have has been the righteousness of God. It manifests. You will just look back and discover. I have victory. It's gone. That habit is gone. It's finally gone. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The blood of Jesus has taken away that lying nature. The blood of Jesus has taken away that sinful nature. And, and that nature shows up and says, I am here. And you say to you, no, you are dead. You are dead. I know you still you know, wiggle a while, but you are dead. And you are gone. This is why I am in Christ Jesus. Children, you must settle that. First, start. Like we say in medicine, start. First, settle that. And he talks about a revelation of fatherhood. That's what grows children. Hmm. If you want to look at the social, economic, psychological problems in society today, is a lack, lack of consciousness of effective parenting and fatherhood. Well, let's go on. Verse 13. I write unto you fathers. Now, please don't think he's talking to men. All right, because someone says uh, Jesus said men ought always to pray, so we ladies are good. Or says you, you have to forgive your brethren. So if I have a sister, can be far. No, no, no. Please, let's not let's not squeeze scripture and turn it upside down. It's talking about levels of maturity. Remember, number three is what? Spiritual maturity and the enemies of fellowship. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. This is deep. It's saying that the all mark of maturity that we can consider calling you fathers is not because you're a man. It's not because you're a grown woman. It's not because you have beards. It's not because we call you deacon. It's not because you, are, you have a, a title in front most reverend Dr. General, no, no, no. He's saying it's not about title. The hallmark ma- of, hmm. of fathers, the hallmark of fathers, the hallmark of maturity. He says is that there is a revelation of the one from the beginning. Hmm. Wow. I write unto you, young men. So he introduces us to the concept of spiritual adolescence. Spiritual adolescence. The especially for parents. You know, it's amazing. You have, and I, and I speak as, as as one who has at least been through a, a, por- a portion of this spectrum. You have kids and they're all cute. Of course, when they cry in the night <laughs> I keep you awake, but they, they overgrow that and glory to God when they start sleeping through the night. You're like, thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. What a mighty God. I we sleep and we wake up. Ah, it's a miracle. Talk to me. <laughs> all right. But they're they, they now kids, they're growing, they're all cute, they're nice, you know, you're buying them toys, you know, whether they're boys or girls, you know, all cute and growing, cute and growing, cute and growing and cute until they become teenagers. Aha, it's a, it's a completely different ballgame. That's when you talk and then there are now questions. Are you talking, He see, parents, listen, it won't work, it worked with a generation. Are you talking I saw that under my roof will not work in this generation? Better start investing in proper scripture-based parenting principles because our cute children will soon become teens and adolescents. It's a critical period, even psychology, science understands this. It's a it's a, it's a, it's a time where there is a conflict of identity. I am no longer a child, yes. I'm also not an adult, yes. I think I can make my own decisions, yes. Just that I do not appreciate the consequences of those decisions yet. I think I can call my own shots. But I've not, I've, I have no concept of life. But I somehow believe that I do. Because there are things, there are changes going on in my body. There are changes, there are the hormones beginning to move. There, there is a consciousness of who I am and a recognition of the, uh, an awareness in a new dimension. There is that conflict. And John is instructing us that in the supernatural, there is such a thing as, I am no longer a baby. I know, I know, I know, I, I, I know my sins are forgiven. I have a revelation of the Father, but I don't know the one who is from the beginning, too. There's that conflict there. And he says, How do you know victorious ones? Because you have overcome. Please underline that word overcome. Adolescence is a period where you need to overcome. There are many today, they are permanently damaged because of faults in their pubertal and adolescent periods. But our God is a healer and our God is a restorer. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice and what I said now just resonated in a, in a strange way, you, you know that that was the period you were broken. You know that was the period that you were malhandled. You know, given different circumstances, your life could have turned out better just because of poor choices. I've come to announce to you that your father is Alpha and is Omega. He dwells in eternity. He can go into your past. He can repair your foundations. And irrespective of how unproud of you are of your past, he says I, have a, I don't know who that word is for, but the Lord says he has a glorious future for you. Glory to God! Hmm. Because you have overcome the wicked one. And then it says, I write unto you, little children. This is not the little children of the first verse. If you're interested, you can search up the root words a bit different. The, the one here is where we get what we, we know today as pediatrics from. It's our root word. So this is really talking about babyhood. It says, because you have known the father. You have known the father. Let's read verse 14 and just break this down a bit. I have written unto you fathers again. Because you have known him that is from the beginning. Yes? I have written unto you, young men, it says because you are strong. So he's giving us the back end, the back end now. The front end is that you overcame. It says, but the back end is that you are strong. What was the source of your strength? You went to the gym? You were pumping iron? (laughs) All right, you were just there. No, I mean, that is good. Very important to stay fit, to exercise. Don't get me wrong. It says, but the secret of this strength, hear me young man, young woman, and then hear me, you know this is not age. We're not talking about age. This is spiritual timeline. Let me just put it that way. It says, because the word of God abides in you, therefore, permit me to insert therefore there, you have overcome the wicked one. So this is the secret for navigating identity, spiritual identity crisis. The word of God abides in you. Until your chief content consumption is the word of God, you will not overcome. It's harsh, very harsh, but it is true. Very true. Hmm. Hmm. all right spiritual maturity and the enemies of fellowship so john here introduces us to children introduces us to young men and introduces us to fathers he's talking here about infancy adolescence and maturity it tells us here that a key thing you must settle early early it's, i say this with a lot of pain we, we did a series a couple of Months back, we call it the assurance of salvation. It's, it's like mystical heart today when you have that conversation about being absolutely sure that you are absolutely saved. Many, many, many fight that consciousness. The devil is it. I remember the guilt of sin should have no hold over a child of God who understands propitiation. It's a big word, but yeah, it should be big because it means something big. All of God's anger and wrath embodied and ep- epitomized in the righteous one, Christ, and he has taken it away. He's taken it away. He says you have to settle this in your early days. Your sins are forgiven. I don't know which is under the sound of my voice. There is, there is that guilt that still lingers over you. I did it. I was the one. I, I, I still have this car. Yes, you have this car, but your si- I don't know. It just needs to sink in. Your sins are forgiving you. It says, Go and sin no more. How 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 will I sin no more? Because my grace is sufficient for you. My spirit empowers you. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. Hmm. It's possible. He uses the word perfect there. It's possible. Hmm. So you must settle that early in infancy. Your sins are forgiven. The second thing you, you need to settle in infancy is a knowledge of the father. You know, one of the biggest issues that the Jews, or let's, let's zoom in now, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the high priests, the Herodians, the elite of society, of religious society, They had a lot of issues with Jesus. He he, he was a number one blasphemer as far as they were concerned. He he had in their their books, he had no regard for the Sabbath, even though it was the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Boy, religion is a terrible thing. You can can put my name under it. I said it. Religion is a very terrible thing. Hmm. Alright, so one of the issues they had with him was that they had this consciousness of Mount Sinai, with hailstones and thunders and lightnings, and this God that we cannot approach, this God that they begged. Moses said, "God wants to come meet with you. Consecrate yourselves. Get ready. This is Moses. Why? God wants to meet with who? Fellow fellowship with who? No, you you go talk to God. Mm? Whatever He tells you, you come talk to us." Many people secretly desire that model today. That sincerely, see, and, and they, they, some people sincerely, this, all this fellowship, intimacy, spend time with God sincerely, I kid you not. Some people, it just flies over their head. They're like, P-D, I mean, P.D. can preach. Continue to talk about intimacy and fellowship. Continue. See, but me, I just self faithfully. honor oh, my man of God. God talks to him. I know. I know he has God on speed dial. So, I'm good," he tells me. "Fine. All right." And then Jesus shows up, and he's not saying God, 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 God. He's going about my father, my father, my father. It was it, you, you. don't understand. It was piercing to the average to the average religious elite. Why are you calling your? Who, who do you think you are? Don't we know your dad, the carpenter from Nazareth? You had the audacity to call God your father. And John says, hey, hey, hey. You know, know, Jesus was teaching them how to pray. He says, you will pray in this manner. Not not God. He says, you will come and say, my father, Abba. It's a consciousness of sonship. I am now his own. I now bear his name. You don't understand. My son's name has changed. I know I have a physical father, but I I have him as daddy. He, He says, settle this in infancy. Remember, why is this book written? That your joy may be full. Settle this in infancy, your sins are forgiven. The righteous one at your propitiation has has embodied all of that anger and wrath. And have a revelation of the father, he's your daddy, he's your daddy, he's my daddy. I don't know about you, I don't know about you. Some moments when the enemy wants to make me feel fatherless or motherless, he said, I have a daddy, you don't understand. I have a daddy, (laughs) I have a father. It sinks, it's, its deep seated consciousness. I am not disadvantaged. I have a father. I am fatherful. <laughs> Glory to God. He says, Settle this. He's your daddy. Settle this. Settle this. And then he graduates. As far as this identity crisis of adolescence is concerned, he says, Invest in the word. When the word abides in you, you become strong. And then, being strong, you overcome. That is how you graduate from adolescence you have overcome by the word you have overcome by the word you have oh, people are asking you oh this is what people struggle with did you have your own struggle oh definitely i did But I found in scripture that this is who I am. I found that I have overcome. I found that there is something called grace. There is supernatural ability that I can leverage upon. I found in scripture, I found treasures. I found precious jewels. I found pearls. I found rubies. I found gold in his word. This is what I have built my life on. Remember what we learned on Sunday? In the seed stage, it looks like the foolishest. Pardon my French. But when the harvest shows up, it says this herb is, is great. That all the herbs of the earth, its branches overflow. In adolescence, we overcome, we overcome, and then he talks to fathers—not just men, but to the mature. Hmm. He says, "How do you know the mature ones? Their approach to things, having overcome through the word, having having settled their identity. This is who I am. The, is that they have they have journals." of experiences in God. They have chronicles of encounters and the approach is from the beginning. From the beginning. They have, the, they have an approach of from the beginning. You know, when, hmm, when we meet young, new believers, we tell them to read a lot of scriptures and we, we you hear a lot of pastors say, especially the New, new Testament. It's, it's, it's good, very good counsel. Very good counsel. Because it shows you the Now who you are now, your inheritance now, your rights now in redemption, who you are. It says, but there is a a dimension of maturity that the shadow now begins to make sense such that you can reckon, this is the one from the beginning. You can reckon his faithfulness. You can, boy, oh boy. You, You can look at Genesis, Exodus. You can find Christ in it. Alright, Psalms 119, verse 160. The one from the beginning. The one from the beginning. Thank you. Psalm 119, verse 160. It says, Thy word is true from the beginning. A revelation of Christ. It says it began from Genesis 1. It didn't begin in Matthew chapter 1. I know you might say, but I, I don't find Jesus there. That is why you need light. For real evidence of light is finding Christ in the pages of the Old Covenant. He says your word is true from the beginning and this is how we begin to know the mature ones. They've settled that their sins are forgiven. They've, they've said goodbye to sin consciousness and they've said welcome righteousness, consciousness. This is who I am. This is my identity. This is the access I have by his blood. These are the provisions his grace has made available for me. Glory to God. They have a revelation not of God, but they have a revelation of Abba, Father, my source, is, 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 is everything to me. They have that settled. Uh, what else do they have settled? They have stored up and loaded on God's word. It abides. Colossians 3.16, it, it dwells richly. Having that, they built strength and they have overcome. Now they've risen to a stature of maturity. They now reckon the one from the beginning. From the beginning. Hmm. From the beginning. Let's look at Luke twenty four. Verse 27. Luke 24, verse 27. Luke 24, verse 27. Thank you. Luke 24, verse 27. 24, verse 27. Luke 24, verse 27. I believe. Not not on my screen. All right. But I believe this is a scripture that says that the Jesus was walking on on the road to Emmaus with two men. And he was having conversations with them on the road. Initially, when the conversation started, he said, what, what, what are they guys talking about? And they looked at him like, are you, are you new in Jerusalem? You mean you don't know what is going on? You, you mean you don't know the headline news? You don't, you don't have Twitter? Or you, don't, you don't have Instagram on your phone, even if you don't watch TV? He said, tell, tell me about it. Oh, you, you mean you've not heard? Jesus is dead. <laughs> ah, the irony. Yeah, the living Christ. Let's go to verse 27, thank you. It says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets. What is Moses? Moses is the, is the code word for Genesis, Exodus, Lepticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Beginning from the beginning. And all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning who? It's in your Bible. Concerning who? Concerning Christ." He says you've, you've unlocked that dimension of maturity when you can now study and enjoy Lefticus. When Numbers is no longer, I want to sleep. <laughs> Glory to God. I are you reading Numbers? Like, Glory to God. You're seeing Scarlet and Purple yarn. Well, I know I know KIC members are vast. The next time you read Scarlet, Purple yarn, Purple Stuff, you know, Silver... All those things they now make sense to you. You see a lever made of broken mirrors from the women. You are reading of bracing altar, you are reading of 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 basin, you're reading of candlesticks, you are reading of showbread. I know our members are well taught, so it, it makes sense. But the average person is just like, What's all this? Moving on. God's word. It means there is a call to father out. Why? Because you can see things concerning him. From the beginning. Hmm. So remember number three spiritual maturity and the enemies of fellowship. So let's graduate to why 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 do we seem to have this fight with sin consciousness? Why do we seem to have these identity issues that we, we just don't want to load up on God's word? Where a truth is sincerely, a lot of us are weak in spirit, there is no strength there. Another broadcast comes, it moves you like this. Another brother you're like, oh, what is that? are we all going to die? I am wondering, what, what, what are you listening to? What are you loading up yourself with? What exactly are the enemies of fellowship? Why, why is it that we don't get to this stature of maturity where we can begin to unveil from the beginning? It tells us. It tells us. So, When you begin to read the same First John chapter two, from verse fifteen downwards to seventeen, it says, "Love not the world, love not the world, nor the things in the world." All right, I know I just got the attention of the kids now because it sounded like a rhyme. So let's do it again. You know, I love, I love, love them. All right, so love not the world, neither things in the world. Love not the world. Neither things in the world. Yeah, I see them. That's why P D is their, is their fave, you know. <laughs> Alright, so John is instructing us. Spirit of God is instructing you, me. He says, love not the world, nor the things in the world. He says, when you find yourself struggling with sin consciousness, with a revelation of Abba as father when you find yourself having this identity crisis and strength has not been built in you, know, you know you have not overcome. When you discover that you do not have an attitude, the consciousness of the beginning, you don't have journeys of encounters, diaries of his faithfulness, you've not got into that mature state of fatherhood, Is saying that the enemy, the antidote, what we need to pay attention to is that there's love for the world. So someone is hearing this and he's saying well John 3:16 says for God so loved the world and then this verse is saying love not the world. All right. So what does or what what world? <laughs> you know even in Romans 12 it says be not conformed to this world. So, in one breath, God is loving the world. In another breath, don't be conformed to the world. And then, love not the world. So, guys, arrange. When you're arranged, you come back. So, let the Spirit of God help us this evening. When he says, for God so loved the world. Or in Hebrews, when he says that, but for we know. <laughs> for we know that the worlds were framed by the words of his mouth. You need to understand the weakness of English and the communication of God's thoughts. God loved the world, not the systems and the thought patterns and the spirits of the age. They are two completely different things. Hmm. So when you say, make it clear, make it clear. So if I say, I don't like Ottawa, I just, I just say that. To the average person in the GTA, they will interpret it as maybe I don't want to stay there or I don't like the city. However, if... Someone from the Kremlin, which already makes my point, or someone from Cuba or from Peru, says we are not happy with the decision Otto has made. You know they are not talking about the city. Right? All right. So there is the system, the thinking, the pattern, the stronghold of that embodiment. All right. That is not what God loves. God doesn't love worldliness. He loves the people. And he didn't just love them, I love. He, he gave his son, he gave himself, he did something about it. When he says, don't be conformed to the world, he's talking about the system, the way of the world, the way they do it. The, when you hear things like this, is how it is done. He says, love not the world, nor the things in the world, but be, be, to the glory of God, John doesn't leave us blinded. He says, everything in the world can be bundled under three categories. I will show you where he got his categories from, by the Spirit. It says every every see, see there's there's nothing else. Number one, the lust of the flesh. Number two, the lust of the eyes. Number three, the pride of life or the pride of possessions. Hmm. Love not the world, not the thing. Child of God, hear me. Do not have your affection towards the lust of the flesh. He says that if, you, if, you, if this is the direction you are going, you will not see spiritual maturity. No matter how many prayer meetings, no matter how many links, no matter how many services you join online, if, the, if you don't settle that, if this is where, he says they cannot coexist. The love for God and the love for the world cannot exist from the same vessel. Lust of the flesh, things that gratify your, 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 your flesh's carnal appetite. Food, sexual immorality, lust of the eyes, greed, longings for things, things that you know ain't good for you. You damn know, let me speak like that, you damn know it ain't damn good for you. <laughs> glory to God. I said glory to God. Pardon my, my, my English. Yeah, that was not French. <laughs> hmm. And then the pride of possessions. That's that's a, a, a security in things. A security in things. Remember what we learned on Sunday. A security in things that God has no problem with silver and gold. In fact, is what says silver and gold are mine. But God has a problem with prioritizing those things. Because when that is your priority, you've lost focus and it won't serve purpose. You will use it, to see, any any silver and gold hmm? that is that is delivered on any platform outside of the kingdom of God and the kingdom's principles has one destiny. It will create a calf and you will bow to it. You, you, you can't worship God with it. We live in an interesting environment where many who were faithful, who used to be faithful, they've got in here now and they say, Pastor, I'm sorry. I have to work. You know, I just, I just have to work on Sundays. I have to work on Saturdays. Pastor, I'm sorry. I can't join morning prayers. You know, I do. And they are walking Sunday to Sunday and no time for God. Please do not get me wrong. There is dignity in labor and I salute and respect everyone who is, who is, who is working there. All right? But we, you were not made for the kind of work that will not allow you to serve God. It's a trap. Hmm. All right. So, the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of possessions. Hmm. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. Let's see where John got this concept of what is in the world. Genesis cha- Let's go to 3 verse 6 and then we'll come back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 3 verse 6. It says, And when the woman saw, this was where man fell. This was where the serpent came cunningly all right, to seize dominion. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh. Eyes already involved. The lust of the flesh, good for food, to gratify the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes. Now it has caused into the lust of the eyes. Now it was pleasurable and a tree to be desired to make one wise. This is now the pride of possessions, the pride of achievements. I can never be shaken. I have I have a bank account. I have shares. I have stocks. I have all those things. And you go ask a man like Job. And Job will tell you all those things can go in one night. But if you have God, if you have God, he says, and God restored unto Job. Double. That's the difference. When calamity hits (laughs) the one without God, they are done and gone. But if it's a child of God, boom, you can't take the word from you. Can take my car, you can take my house, you can take things. But I lost nothing. If I still have his word, the pride of life, it's, it's a confidence in things. It says they desired to make them wise. Having settled the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. She then took the fruits thereof and did it. And gave also to her husband with her and he did it. Hmm. You can put Genesis chapter 1 verse 4 on the screen. God has no problem seeing things that are good. He says God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. This is God's approach. When he sees what is good, then he does a division. When he sees what is good, he does a division. What are you focusing on? What is your affection on? The lust of the flesh? The lust of the eyes? Or the pride? The the. The pressure that in this age has been amplified on steroids by social media. People borrow clothes they don't own. pose in cars that belong to strangers. Borrow themselves into debt just to look like they have arrived. And they have not even... Let's talk of arrived. You need to, if you are under the sound of my voice, set yourself free from the pressure of people pleasing enter into the pleasure of God pleasing one is pleasure the other one is pressure so needs to write that down set yourself free from the pressure of people pleasing and enter into the pleasure of God pleasing hmm. alright let's see how the apostle Paul phrases this in Philippians chapter 3 Verse 7 to 8. God has no issues with the things that seem to give us security. Money is a defense. Wisdom is a defense. But anything that is not of God, anything that is not the light, it says God divided it. God divided it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 8. If they can put it on your screen. If not, it's fine. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Thank you. It says, but what things were gained to me? The things that should have constituted the sense of my security. The person speaking here was very learned. It was trained by one of the best teachers possible. We know the name of his teachers. He had accolades. It's just the same way you can look at your life. And there are things, there are, there are things that, like, like, look at you. There are things you should be able to lean on, count on, depend on. But all other ground is sinking sand. He says, those things, I counted loss for Christ. That's an accounting terminology. I reckoned them loss verse 8 it says yea doubtless i count all things but loss for the excellency now this is what you can build on of the knowledge of christ jesus my lord for whom i have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that i may win christ perspective. perspective 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 for his glory for his kingdom Not to to, to, to guarantee a false sense of security. There is no security in things. There is only security in Christ. No government, no leader, no investor, no uncle. Nobody can guarantee security in this life. Mm. Glory to God. So, please let's not get lost. The whole conversation is that your joy might be full. Never forget We talked about spiritual maturity, the three levels. Infancy, adolescence, maturity. And we looked at the enemy of fellowship. John instructs us. He says, number one, love not the world. And he tells us the things in the world. And he tells us, number two, beware of the spirit of the world. And the name John gives it. I think I said Paul before. The name John gives it. He calls it the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist. So, we're still on 1 John chapter 2. We've covered 15 to 17. We're now on verse 18 and 19. The spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist. We live in a time where everybody is suddenly aware of and interested in the Antichrist. Lot of predictions, who is it going to be? Is it this person? Is it that person? Lot of permutations, combinations, differentials, you know, the y dx, the is it, is it? And scripture instructs us here. It says many antichrists. What is what so? What exactly is the definition of this antichrist now? Get me right scripturally. In Bible prophecy, there is a person that will epitomize. What many consider. But John is telling us, beyond beyond the person, there there is a system, there is a thinking. In an age where we have lots of conspiracy theories, it breaks my heart when I see believers being victims of deception, victims of conspiracy theories. You know, we're having our devotion in the house and we were reading Mark's equivalent of Matthew 24, Signs of His Coming. And as we, as we were discussing, it just occurred to me that when people, and now, whether Christians or not Christians, when people say things like, oh, don't take the vaccine. it's And I'm not talking about any vaccine in particular now. Of course, we know what the world is grappling with, but I speak broadly. Oh, don't take the vaccine. It's the, it, is, it is the Antichrist. It is this. It is, it is, it is going to do this, do that. And I'm wondering, how did we get here as children of God? When did our priority shift from the salvation of souls? When did our priority, and this is the question, if someone, if someone, an individual, all right, takes the vaccine, down the line, they die. They are born again. They have their eternity guaranteed in heaven with Christ. If someone says, I don't want the vaccine, I don't want the vaccine, but they are not born again. And they die in their sin, where are they going to? So what should our priority be as the church of God? Jesus is the answer for the world, not broadcasts, not fear, not calculations. Oh, there's this inside, there's, there's this inside. Is there Jesus inside you? Does his blood flow through your veins? An injection can change that? Who, who really are you? Who son are you? It's, it's heartbreaking. We are succumbing to this. It's, it's saying maybe they've won the victory over this lost of the eyes, lost stuff. It says, but there's another spirit that we can nab them with. It's the Antichrist spirit. I let me let it define. The Antichrist spirit is every system backed by demons that prevents the establishment of Christ as Lord in the hearts of people. Any other thing that sits there, the Antichrist spirit is happy with it. It can be things as subtle as exercise. Exercise. It can be things as subtle as sports. Whatever, any or anything can sit there, but not Christ. That is the Antichrist spirit at work. It's not its own vaccine. That is the real Antichrist spirit at work. Anything that will push vehemently against the establishment of the Lordship of Jesus in the hearts of men and women is the spirit of the Antichrist. And we fight it because it is an enemy of fellowship. Mm. A word, they say, is enough for the wise. <laughs> Glory to God. I said, glory to God. You know, I love the way these six portions are are divided. Portion number one, last week we spent time. Portion number two, we just, you know, touched. Portion number three, we spent time. Portion number four, we just touched it. And then we call it an evening. Glory to God. So, what's number one? Fellowshiping with God by walking in the light. Number two, obey. Remain. Remain means to abide. Remember what we said? To hang out. We're cool like that. Alright, and then to love. Number three, we said it's spiritual maturity and the enemies of fellowship which we've established. And then number four is being a child of God and loving the children of God. So this MP, the same PD, what is the solution to the spirit of Antichrist? You can't just move on like that. The answer is in your Bible. 1 John 2, 18 and 19. It says you have an anointing from the Holy one. It is the oil of the spirit that is our guard to the assault of deception. Alright, number four. Being a child of God and loving the children of God. I love this. I love this. They can put it on our screen. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. We are making good progress as we begin to tie this evening up. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. I, I love this scripture so much. It says, Behold. Appreciate. See. Contemplate. Look. Whenever you see behold, don't be in a hurry to to rush. Behold, then you chill. What manner of love the father, the father, Abba, has bestowed that word there is is talks of extravagance. He poured it upon us. That we should be called the sons of God. Let's sink in for a second. Some of the world's richest people, if they called you, that you can have their surname for 24 hours. <laughs> you first spin. You go to the headquarters of their company and you say, my name is, if you have a very strong name, like let's say Bashiru, please pardon my example, Bashiru. And you just show up, only that Gates and say you can use his name. Oh, my name is Bashiru Gates. Uh-uh. So you hear yourself now. <laughs> hear the name you just called. He said, Boy, you know to look at my first name. Just look, like, just look at the name my bear. And while CCTV is scanning, there's a call from, from the boardroom, from the penthouse. He says, He bears my name is my son for 24 hours. Let him come in. And all the security gates open. And John is saying, Behold, what manner how he has lavished it upon us that we should be called sons of God. Boy, boy, boy. <laughs> the Bible is rich. So John balances this thought. He says the only issue is that they don't, they don't really rate us. They don't rate us. It's like saying your name is Bashir Gates, all right, and you go to, to, pardon the names I'm using, please, if there's anyone listening and your name is Bashir, it's a blessed name. I'm not sure I know what it means, but I'm sure it's a good name. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. So let me just use another name for, for my next example. All right. If you say you're Bashiru Gates, all right, and you go to Cuba, in a village in Cuba, and you go to Katakana. Hopefully, that doesn't mean anything in, in Cuba. You go to Katakana and Sons, and you say, my name is Bashiru Gates. What they will say next is, okay, how can we help you? But you don't go to, to Washington or to New York, and you're into to Microsoft Office. Even if they are not sure which which gates you are, they will attempt to verify first. So John says the challenge now is that the world does not know us all. They don't don't know us. We have to prove this kingdom to our world. They don't don't rate us in our state. They don't rate us. That's why we we are just like casualties, non-essential. They they don't rate us. And the, the, the issue with them not rating us is not the issue. The issue is they don't rate us and we don't rate ourselves. It says that's the issue. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. So, they didn't know the son, they didn't recognize him, but he was able to bring dominion. And then, he rated himself. Verse 2, behold, now are we. Glory to God. Not in the future, not next tomorrow, not in the world to come. It says, now are we, I'm on verse 2, the sons of God, and he does not appear what we shall be. Hmm. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall see him, for we shall see him as he is. This is deep. This is deep. I've said it to us before. Maybe it's worth saying again. Prophecies are released in a dimension where there is no time. I need that to sing to someone. Prophecies are released in, in, a, in a sphere where time does not exist. Therefore, you might be able to trace a prophecy to a point in time. However, the life of that word exists in a frame of eternity. Meaning a child of God by revelation can lay hold of the prophecy and say, this is it, this is it, this is it. So many will read this and say, when he shall appear. This is the second coming. You are right. But you are also right. <laughs> and we are right too. When we hold on to this, that he saying, now are we the sons. Now do we bear his name. Now do we have his mark. Now are we reckoned as his own. The world does not know us. The world doesn't know us. It does not, they, they, cannot, they cannot imagine what we shall be. When our appearing comes, when our revelation, when our manifestation comes, when when our dominion is on full throttle, they didn't see us coming. Being a child of God and loving the children of God. So sort that out. You are a son of God. Sort it out. You bear his marks. The, The world might not rate you. They might say, okay, so can I help you? Because they didn't know him. But if they don't know, if, if they don't rate you, you rate you. You know who you are, you know the kingdom you represent. You know, you know the, the, the tenets, the principles of your kingdom. Having established that, now instructs us, enjoins us to love God's children. It's amazing. This is how we ended last week. This is how we're ending this week again. Love God's children. Let's see. Verse 15 to 18, and then we'll wrap up this evening. Trusting the Lord that you have been blessed, trusting that the Lord will help us to continue and to unravel these beauties in his word. First John chapter 3, verse 15, downwards. It says, Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. Now, he's not saying you can now eat your sister, please. <laughs> he's talking about your fellow child of God. Even if you are convinced that they are not really born again. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. This is a big word. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hmm. Verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God. He's saying that the love of God has a fragrance. It has a smell, like perfume. You can smell the one that has eternal life in them. Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for you, For the brethren. So he's saying. Last week, PD, you started well. You ended with this love matter. Today again, you're hey, remember, what's the goal of this entire conversation? That our joy may be full. If they can give me 17 and 18, and then we'll wrap up this evening. Thank you. It says, but who so hath this world's good and see his brother as need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him. It says it's a question. How dwells the love of God in him? In this materialistic consumption, consumption, per, I, I mean, it, it, it's sad to say, but in the first lockdown globally, we saw videos of human nature on screens. People rushing and packing all the paper towels. So, if eternity, if the world really was ending, your priority is paper towel. But it just shows you human nature. It, it's, I, I, you, you don't care about me anyway, so why should I care about you? It's Can I grab this first? Can I, can, I, can I pull you down so I can move up? It's, it's faulty, demonic thinking. There's space at the top. We, we think dominion is... He didn't call one of us to reign with him. He said, come reign with me. I have phones. But we have this crab mentality. I need to pull you down. I need to look richer than you. My car needs to be finer than your car. My phone needs to be phonier than your phone. Verse 18, verse 18, as we round up this evening, what a way to wrap up. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. Remember, not the talk, but in deed and in truth in our walk, in our walk. Love your brother, pray for your enemies. And I pray for us that the spirit of the Lord will take these words as seeds that have landed on our hearts, brood over them, and cause them to bear much fruit. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, take a minute and just say, Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you because you love me so much. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished, bestowed upon us. What a privilege. What a privilege to bear your name. What a privilege to be known of you. What a privilege to have your marks on me. What a privilege to be cleansed by your blood. What a privilege to be able to come boldly. What a privilege to be invited to walk in the light. What a privilege it is to be beckoned to maturity. Not to remain as infants. Not to remain as adolescents. But to come to a place of maturity. A place where I am not tossed to and fro. A place where I am solid. Rooted. Established in you. Thank you Father for your word. Thank you for the grace to love. To love the unlovable to love the difficult the, that the nature of self that is just me i me i me i me thank you because i'm now thinking with the with the lens of your kingdom for we know that when the seed takes root and bears fruit it, it doesn't just bring forth blade and ear it brings forth a full harvest that is greater than all the herbs of the earth not so that we can clap that we we are now impacting the globe he says no th- that that there is benefits, there is influence, there is, there, is, there is real savor through your life, through this vessel. Thank you, Father, because this is your will for us. We give you all the praise, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Mm. If you not the sound of my voice, and you know you have not met Jesus, you know you cannot call yourself a son of God. I'm not being gender, you know, whether you're male, female, listening, or whatever gender you identify with. But you can hear this now. Now. I know you are not born again. You have no relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. This is your evening. This entire service designed for this moment. That God desires to have fellowship with you. You are saying say something else. This wicked God. Where was he? When my mother was in that sick bed. Where was he? Where my father was in that fatal accident. Where was he? Where my siblings were this. Where was he? When the bills were due. Where was he? Where you have all those questions. But he's saying, I want to reveal myself to you, not as God, but as father. As your source. As your everything. He's saying that void you're attempting to fill with all sorts. Nothing nothing. See, it's it's designed for him. Nothing else can fill that spot. You can try all the lust of the flesh there is. More food, more food, less food, less food. It's a spectrum of of, of food disorders. Gluttony, bulimia, anorexia. You can try sexual immorality from its spectrums to its spectrumest. It won't satisfy. You can you can leave that and go to the lusts of the eyes. It won't satisfy. You can leave that, move to the pride of possessions. The, the se- false security of life's achievements. It won't satisfy. You look at all the trophies in your cabinet. All the money in your bank account. All the followers on social media. And the emptiness is still as deep as ever. He says, I'm the only one that can feel you. Make room for me. I stand at the door. I knock. Open. Open. I want to pray for you. Allow the Spirit of God to do that work. He's working on your heart. Open. Open. Father, for your sons and daughters, under the sound of my voice, making a decision for you, reckoning that you are the Son of God, accepting for the first time that you are Daddy, you are Father, you are Abba. You've loved us so much. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God who came, who died, was buried who is alive today wants to live in them wants to live through them thank you for a supply of your spirit because these ones will live for you by your grace their lives will please you they will serve you for the rest of their days thank you because their names are now engraved in you the lamb's book of life we give you all the glory we give you all the praise we give you all adoration for in jesus name we are prayed In Jesus' name we have prayed. Come on, if you've been blessed this evening, and if you can join me in celebrating this great, great miracle, jam those heads together, give the Lord a big shout.